I think in the long run, if you do not do it, you will lose it. It's not really a responsibility of investors, but it's also financially smart to invest in sustainable assets. Hello there and welcome to the podcast No Stone Unturned from Savills. In this podcast, we will tell you all about real estate and ESG in the Netherlands. What are the latest developments in ESG? And what do you really need to know before investing in Dutch real estate? Listening to this podcast allows you to become a real frontrunner. I am Charlotte Harmsen and in this episode I'm going to talk about impact investing. What do you need to keep in mind when you want to make a real impact with your investments? Why is that important and even better for your profit in the long run? I am talking about this with Hilke Nijmeijer, Portfolio Manager at CBRE Investment Management. Welcome Hilke. Thank you. Um, CBRE Investment Management, can you tell me a little bit about what you do? Yeah, CBRE Investment Management is part of CBRE Group. Uh, Investment Management is one of the largest investor operators uh, worldwide, uh, investing in real assets. Uh, On the real estate side, we invest in offices, logistics, uh, residential and retail. Um, I'm specifically working on the residential uh, part. uh, And in Europe, we have uh, almost 12 billion of assets under management. Uh, where we try to add with a social impact strategy, uh, well, at least an extra three billion. Yeah, because you've just launched an impact fund for the European residential uh, strategy, right? Yes, that's and correct. you are the uh, the portfolio manager of this fund. Yeah, exactly. And uh, for for you, what does impact investing mean? Yeah, for me personally, it's really. Uh, an extra dimension uh, of investing. So having a positive either social or environmental impact uh, alongside the uh, returns uh, we already worked on and the performance we already worked on with our real estate uh, assets. And uh, uh, is it important for you personally to not just work as any investment manager, but to, to work for an impact fund? Yes, it is. I must say I've been working for... Almost 15 years, I guess, uh, in normal real estate investments. And uh, after I spent a couple of months on a sabbatical in uh, Australia with my family, I came back and then I got the opportunity to work on this uh, residential impact strategy. And that really gives an extra dimension to investment and yeah, motivates me to uh, do an extra strap- step every day I'm at work. And what happened during that sabbatical that you were so attracted to this this impact strategy, this extra dimension, as you say? Yeah, it's, I guess, uh, taking a time off and seeing things in different perspective uh, and realizing, um, well, looking at what you've done all those years and thinking about what you can do differently. And I returned and then I got the opportunity to work uh, on this new strategy, a European residential strategy. Uh, where we want to create inclusive cities and uh, and add affordable uh, dwellings to the uh, to the supply, and to me that really gave an extra dimension. Also doing good, um, yeah, giving me an extra motivation to do my work properly every day. So an intrinsic motivation to, yeah, your your job actually. Um, and and you say that you want to make sure that people have affordable rents. Um, what is affordable? That depends. You can look at it uh, from different angles. But first, let me uh, talk about why we actually want to offer affordable rent. So yeah. we really see a social challenge 
in the major cities across uh, Europe. Uh, because of demand-supply imbalance, you see that affordability is on, under pressure. A lot of governments and municipalities are reacting uh, with regulation uh, on that. And what you really see is that people with middle incomes are pushed out of the cities. So there's people with lower incomes uh, in general being uh, taken care of in uh, the Social Netherlands. Social housing, yeah. Indeed, by uh, housing corporations. People with higher incomes, they can basically take care of themselves. Uh, but people with middle incomes uh, can no longer afford to live uh, in the cities. And that creates, uh, they are basically pushed away. So that creates social divides, which is not really working um, for fun well-functioning cities. Uh, so, especially for the middle-income households, we defined uh, a definition. Uh, they can spend, according to a UN and World Bank, 40% on housing costs. So, in our definition, they could then spend 30% on rent. So, we have looked into disposable household incomes um, and then set the rent at 30% of their uh, income. And uh, I can imagine these are different across Europe in the different cities. Absolutely. There's a huge uh, difference. In the Netherlands, you would talk about rents between 700 and 1200 euro, more or less. Uh, if you look at Berlin, uh, the incomes are lower, then you can't go higher than 1000 euros. Uh, on the opposite, in London, 2100 euros uh, will be still affordable for a middle income household. And for CBRE uh, investment management, uh, I can assume that it's also an objective to uh, maybe increase the rents over time? Or is that not the case in this uh, specific fund? Yeah, that's a good question. So in general, we are optimizing performance and optimizing rental uh, increase. But specifically with this strategy, but also with our other residential investments, we, we have the social aspect as well. So we will not be aggressive on uh, rental increases, uh, basically anticipating regulation, which will be in place in most cities anyway. And therewith also lowering the risk and still uh, creating an attractive risk return profile to our investors. We're talking about uh, sort of the S in ESG being the affordability of the, of the dwellings. Do you also want to make an impact with sustainable housing, so the E in ESG? Yeah, that's really a fair question, since it's quite easy to offer affordable housing and then offer 10 square meters with a really poor fit-out, basically living in a box uh, under the bridge. That's absolutely not what we want to do. So we combine it. So uh, our target is to deliver affordable, good quality and sustainable homes uh, for the middle-income households across uh, Europe. So we have quite ambitious targets as well for uh, the size of an apartment uh, shouldn't be smaller than 40 square meters, for example. Energy labels should be uh, low, energy use should be low, but also there's quite a lot of focus on uh, community building and the social uh, aspect in there. Uh, interesting. We've talked about the community building uh, in one of our earlier episodes. So that's also part of the impact that you're trying to make with your strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you view the importance of a, of a community? I think to us, our main driver would be uh, tenant satisfaction, I'd say. In the end, we want to create places uh, where people are happy, uh, where they can afford the rent, but where they uh, are happy living there, where they have a lot of services available. So from that perspective, community is really, really important. Connection with the neighborhood. Uh, we also try to have community managers in the buildings, uh, creating interesting events and building that community so people can have a safe uh, and pleasant home. I can imagine that's, that's also good for your returns as, as happy tenants don't uh, tend to uh, move. It all sounds 
very noble, but of course you are an investor, uh, so you you yeah you also have the objective to make profit. Wouldn't it be more profitable to invest in a sort of higher, more expensive uh, level of housing? Well, the short answer is no. <laughs> well, the, the higher rents are more uh, volatile. That's also what we've seen in the financial uh, crisis. So turnover rates are higher, void period, periods are higher. Um, so it's a higher risk uh, risk profile. So I guess be- specifically for affordable housing, the uh, added value is that it's a long-term stable and inflation-linked cash flow. So that's really what a lot of our investors like pension funds and insurance companies are looking for. And um, of course, our listeners are, are international uh, investors and your 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 fund, your strategy is European. Uh, you talked a little bit about the differences in affordability, for instance, in, in different countries. Well, of course, in the Netherlands, we're highly uh, regulated uh, at the moment and we won't go into that in, in, in detail. But um, does that influence your, your strategy in, in building out your portfolio uh, across Europe? Yeah, maybe to start with, I think, That there is regulation in place, that's quite positive. So the Dutch model where the tenant is uh, protected, uh, that makes sense. Like in Germany, that's the case as well. On the opposite, in London and Helsinki, a tenant is not protected at all. Can be pushed out uh, dwelling, uh, rent can increase enormously. And that's uh, not really what we want. So with our strategy, it's also one of our core principles uh, to be tenant friendly. Although I think that regulation, if it's too strict, and that's what's happening uh, nowadays uh, sometimes, it has reversed effect. So private and institutional investors are pushed away and therewith investments uh, in the residential market are lowering. And that's not really helping in the long run, since I think we should focus on increasing affordable supply, um, which is not helpful if, if investors are pushed out of, uh, of the investments in certain cities. And why do you think that sort of negative sentiment towards investors exists, where you have a strategy that is all about creating Uh, housing that is affordable, that is sustainable. I think the government would welcome you with open arms saying, uh, please uh, come and uh, uh, invest in new developments and and, and increase the number of housing. Yes, that is what you would think. I think we might even more push this message towards the government, make them aware what our intentions are, uh, especially as institutional investors. Uh, the regulation is uh, also driven a bit by politics, local politics uh, sometimes, which is difficult for us to uh, to influence. Uh, and also sometimes by the smaller private investors having one or two homes, uh, which yeah are probably increasing rents, uh, which are less tenant-friendly than uh, we would be. And another problem is the, the, the flow in the housing market. So the elderly... Uh, stay in their homes uh, because they have yeah there's a shortage of senior or care homes as well in the Netherlands uh, and across Europe uh, I think is that also something that you're taking into account so the the uh, demographics of your strategy yes yeah, so we are specifically uh, targeting active seniors getting them back into the city or delivering the homes that they're looking for so not in combination with care but let's say the active uh, active seniors. And also key workers, which we think are important to have included in the uh, What in the do cities. you mean by key workers? So that's people doing the jobs basically uh, either in education, healthcare or safety. 
which yep. are key, like the firemen and the policemen, etc., uh, which are key to have a well-functioning uh, city. And also very dependent on affordable uh, housing. Yeah, to be honest, not all of them. They're, they're well-earning uh, policemen as well, uh, but especially the key workers who need affordable housing. That's the group what we are focusing on. And how important is it uh, for an investor to invest with impact? I think it's really important and it's uh, from our perspective more and more investors require uh, not specifically impact investing but at least responsible investing. Uh, I think in the long run if you do not do it you will lose it. You will not get the capital anymore. So uh, yeah in order to get long term uh, solid returns you need to uh, focus on this. And you also see it, if I look at at the media, the real estate media, newsletters that we follow, you see new impact funds uh, being launched uh, weekly. Uh, I, I think I can say that. Uh, or green funds or ESG funds or whatever uh, people tend to call it. But um, in all this sort of um, rising of, of impact investing, how do you differentiate yourself with your strategy when looking for capital? Well, first of all, I think it's a good thing that a lot of companies yeah. are doing this. So so we are having our European residential impact uh, strategy, but we cannot do it on our own. Even if we grow to a fund which is over 3 billion, we will not make the difference on a European level. So it's really a joint responsibility of uh, all investors, I uh, I would say. In every episode, I invite someone from the Savills teams to bring me a standout statistic about an ESG topic. Today, of course, we're talking about impact investing. And the guest of today is Martijn Onderstal, head of valuation at Savills. Martijn, what is your standout statistic? The standout statistic of today is uh, the number 23%. And 23%, what are we talking about? We are talking about sustainable buildings with an energy label jump uh, between C and A, and they have a green premium of up to 23% compared to non-sustainably used offices. And where does this stat come from? Is this something that Savills has measured? Or yeah, it is the result of a research to the influence of energy consumption and energy labels on the value of office buildings in the Netherlands. And the survey was conducted uh, on the basis of a sample of 71 office buildings and it clearly showed that if the energy label improves uh, for, by one step, for example, from B to E or from C to B, uh, this leads to an increase of the purchase price of the office building. So you can actually see that uh, it pays off to make your property energy efficient. Yes, definitely. Uh, real estate plays an important role in reducing carbon uh, emissions. And if the market becomes more aware of this, and both the tenant and the landlord uh, make agreements uh, about sustainable operation and the use of the property. In um, what we call a green lease, yeah. um, there is a triple win situation. First of all, carbon emissions will be reduced. Secondly, energy costs will be, will be reduced. And last but not least, the value of the building can increase up to 23% at the same time. So this is interesting, uh, especially I can imagine if you're you're working with an impact strategy, Hilke, if I can uh, include you in the conversation. This research has been done specifically uh, for uh, for office buildings. Is is there similar uh, things that you've measured in the uh, residential space? 
We have not directly measured in the residential space, but uh, we have done uh, more research on this as well. And uh, I truly believe in the long run, if you do not uh, invest sustainable, that values will drop anyway. So it's not really uh, a responsibility of investors, but it's uh, also financially smart to invest in sustainable assets. Yeah, we call that a brown discount, I believe. Or the green premium. Or the but green premium. Yeah, it's yeah. just uh, from yeah. which yeah. standpoint that, you look at it. That's yeah. the big discussion. Yeah. If you look into uh, affordable housing, where we just uh, talked about, I think it's uh, maybe even more important. So we can talk about affordable rents, but if energy costs are going up, like today, mm-hmm. uh, it's about total ho- housing costs. So people should still be able to live somewhere. So the more energy efficient our buildings, our residential buildings are, the more affordable their housing is. So really actually important. making a, a residential unit more sustainable also leads to making it more affordable. So it's it's sort of uh, a double win situation. A double win situation. <laughs> well, that's really good to know. Thank you so much, Martijn, for bringing us your standout statistic. And I might invite you back next year to do a similar research in the residential sector and uh, maybe invite Hilke back to discuss this even more in detail. Thank you. Hilke, you have a European strategy. Um, Of course, we are talking about the Netherlands specifically, mostly in this podcast. Can you think of a good Dutch example of an asset where you say, if if I could have more of those uh, in my strategy, then I would be uh, a happy fund manager? Uh, Project Rhapsody in the Kolenkit area in uh, West Amsterdam. Uh, that was a gentrification uh, area and uh, this project was built uh, three or four years ago uh, with a focus on uh, on middle income rents. Uh, and what triggered me specifically, actually two things. One, it's a very sustainable building. It's a negative energy performance uh, coefficient. Net positive building. Net yeah. positive building, indeed. But mainly the connection which was made with the uh, neighborhood. So uh, a couple of the apartments uh, have been made available for people already living in the Kolekit uh, area uh, for lower rents, with uh, which they could afford. Uh, and also the uh, public area is a garden where is a greenhouse uh, available, which is open uh, specifically to all people living in the neighborhood. And events are being organized there. Um, to include uh, the neighborhood uh, in the building itself. So it's certainly not an isolated building. And the Kolekit area, for those not familiar, is a bit um, of a challenging area in, in, in Amsterdam. And how do you make that connection with, uh, with the area, with, with the community? And how do you make sure that the asset makes the positive contribution that you want it to? We uh, put a lot of effort in there ourselves as asset manager together with the property manager. But we also have uh, community managers in the building who live there mm-hmm. and who um, understand the people living in the Kolekit area. And that's an ongoing process. We are still improving and learning uh, every day. In every episode, I invite my colleague Iris Campers to bring us the latest ESG insight. And always in theme, of course, with the episode. And today we're talking about impact investing. And I'm very curious to hear from you, Iris. What insight do you have for us today? 
Well, thank you so much for hosting me again, Charlotte. Um, I just want to continue on what Hilke has already sort of touched upon, um, the novelty of impact investing funds. And we see that a lot of different funds are, are getting to that ESG standard or branding themselves as ESG and, you know, trying to figure out how to filter different types of real estate into either ESG proof or non-ESG proof. And, um, well, we still think about ESG proof real estate as something as that's very new and very new to the market. But research by Bloomberg shows that in 2025, about a third of all real estate value will be in ESG proof assets which is right around the corner. So it's really not that novel anymore. We're accelerating at, a, at an amazing pace and people like Hilka are just, you know, driving that forward. I saw research um, in the field of marketing where it said that ESG mentions in the media have grown with over 300% in the last year. You can see that, that this topic is, uh, is evolving at rapid pace. And it really is the new normal. We can't really, at this point in time, we can't talk about it as, you know, the new a green trend. or a premium. Yeah. No, it's it's the new normal. We're there. Thank you, Iris, for sharing your insight with us today. You're very welcome. Hilke, um, I'm afraid we're already getting to the end of this podcast episode, uh, but not before uh, I ask you my favorite question, and that is, what is your dream project? Do you have something that if you could include it in your strategy or if you could develop it yourself, uh, it doesn't have to be uh, something that you can actually uh, achieve. It can be a dream. What would your dream project look like? My dream would be that we have a lot of places in major European cities where only happy tenants live, with tenant satisfaction scores uh, as high as you can think of. They, of course, should be living all in affordable homes, in inclusive communities, uh, including key workers and uh, seniors. And ideally, uh, it, they would all live in wooden buildings or completely circular buildings with negative energy coefficients. Well, I think you've sort of summed up all the topics that we've talked about in this entire series in, in One Dream Project. I think it would be a great place to live. So if you find it, please give me a call. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your dream project with us. And thank you, Hilke Nijmeijer from CBRE Investment Managers for sharing all your insights today. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this podcast episode. Please subscribe if you don't want to miss a thing. And don't forget to give us a rating in your favorite podcast app.